Amen. Well, as we get ready for God's Word today, I'm going to go, we're going to the Old Testament today. We're going to Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. And I got to congratulate you because I didn't tell you guys to remain standing. You guys are getting it. So I appreciate that. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Go there for a minute. Let's read this. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I'll show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped some wood for the fire, for the burnt offering, and set out in the place God had told him about. And on the third day of his journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We'll worship there, and we're coming right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and he said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And notice verse 8, what he says here. God said in verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And Abraham answered, and they both walked together. When they arrived at that place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac. He laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, not even your own son. And Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by the horns in the thickets. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in his place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh, Yair, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name, the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we've come here today to worship. We've come here today to receive your word. So, Father, I pray that your hand would rest on me today. That you would speak to everyone here, Lord, who needs to hear from you. Use me and bless us with your presence. Give everyone here sound wisdom and learning for this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen, man. You guys can have a seat. You guys ready to receive the word of God today? Come on. How many of you say, man, that story was what I needed. The Lord will provide. How many of you would say, I, I need to be reminded of that sometime. The Lord will provide. There's no question in my mind or doubt that when we look at people today, when we watch the news, when we talk to people in conversation, we live in a culture of restlessness. It's so much more common now to see people restless and anxious and stressed than it is to see people that are actually calm and at peace. It's so common, especially in the city that we live in, to be always caught up and, and being busy and tired and stressed and overwhelmed with so many things to do. We are a society that just keeps moving. We're always busy. We always got things to do. We're always one step ahead of what has to happen next. And see, so many people today are just living restless lives. And when I say the word restless, the word restless literally means in definition the inability to be calm and shut your mind off. You ever notice that when you go to bed at night, your eyes might be closed, but your mind is still running? And some people, they go to bed and they're still on their phones and they're still planning what's going to happen. See, you can be in the present, in the physical, and your mind still wanders and goes off. This happens when we go to bed. This happens even when we go to church. You can be sitting down in that pew right now, listening to this awesome pastor. Amen? In this amazing church. Amen? But your mind may not even be here right now. You might actually be thinking about Monday. You might actually be thinking what you have to do next and, and all the things you got to do and all the busy schedules and all the things you got to do at work and get finished. See, your mind can run crazy. And that's the society we live in today. There is a lot of people living restless lives. And for many reasons, your mind today can be restless. Maybe you're restless because of tomorrow. Not, not physically tomorrow, I mean your future. What's going to happen next? What if this happens? What, what if that doesn't happen? What am I going to do five, ten years from now? What am I going to do about retirement? Am I going to be able to retire? The way things are going, it doesn't look that way. So what's going to happen tomorrow? There's a restlessness for the unknown. There's financial restlessness. There's this idea of looking at your bank account and seeing all the bills overdue and the rent that has to be paid and your kids need new shoes because school's about to start. And there's a restlessness because you're not getting the overtime. And how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to provide for that? And there's a restlessness that comes when it comes to money. You might be restless because of a person in your life that's causing you stress. You might be raising them, you might be married to them, you might be working with them, but there's someone in your life that their actions are causing you to be restless. You may be restless because you're under so much pressure. And you have a lot of things on you that people put on you. You might be restless because you're discontent. 
and you're not satisfied with where you're at in your life and you want more, you want God to do more, you want God to change your current circumstance, restlessness can come to anyone for many reasons. And restlessness will not only affect you spiritually, but it definitely affects you physically. You begin to just lose your appetite or have too much of an appetite. You might begin to lose your hair. Your blood pressure goes up. You get physical problems when you're restless. Restlessness can affect you emotionally. You get nervous all the time. You get easily agitated, frustrated, angry. You go through depression and sadness because your mind doesn't shut off. And you haven't developed the discipline of resting in the Lord. God wants His children to rest. In fact, God even told the nation of Israel, God's people, that I want you to work six days a week, but on the seventh day, I want you to what? Rest. I want you to rest and trust me. Even God took time to rest when He created the world. Rest is important. Rest is vital. But rest is something that a lot of us don't have today. You're restless this morning. You go to bed restless. You get home restless. And your mind just keeps causing you to be restless and worried and anxious. And you can't even enjoy where you're at right now and what God is doing because your mind just puts you in a place of restlessness. And even from the beginning of time, restlessness was real. Look at Genesis. The word Genesis literally means beginning. In the book of Genesis chapter 4, God put a curse on Cain. Cain disobeyed God by not offering the way that God wanted to offer. Cain got jealous because his own brother was accepted by God, but he wasn't. He grew bitter, he grew jealous, and he killed his brother. And as a result, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 11, let me read it to you. The Bible says that God cursed Cain. And when he cursed Cain, the Bible says this. Now you are cursed, and you are banished from the ground which you swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you. No matter how hard you work, from now on, you will be wanderer, a restless wanderer here on earth. And Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. There are two things I want you to know about restlessness. It's a curse. And number two, Cain was right. If you want a definition of what restlessness is, Cain nailed it. Restlessness is carrying more than you can bear. 
Restlessness is handling more than you're able to handle. And when you're carrying more than you can handle, you get tired easy. You get exhausted easy. You give up easier. You get weaker quicker. So not only does the Bible show us that restlessness is literally a curse, but restlessness is more than you can bear. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took the curse away from us. But so many of us are still choosing to live under the curse of restlessness. Too many of us are still carrying more than you can handle. And maybe you've come to this church this morning and there's so much on you and you can feel the weight and the pressure of everything you have to do, everything you have to figure out, everything that people put on you, everyone that depends on you. And you get tired, you get exhausted, you get worn out and weak and discouraged and you just want to quit because maybe today the Lord is telling you You're carrying too much. It's no wonder you're restless. And restlessness doesn't go away because you pray about it. Because many of you will pray, Lord, bring me peace. Please, Lord, help me to calm down more. Help me to be less stressed, Lord. And you'll pray and wake and say amen and still be restless. Restlessness is a choice. And in order to break the curse of restlessness in your life, there are choices you have to make. Life is hard. It's never easy. But you don't have to allow the problems of your life to curse you with restlessness. You don't have to wait. See, the lie that we believe is if, if my life is better and my problems go away, then I can actually get some sleep, then I can rest, then I can have peace. And that is such a lie. Why? Because I don't want to discourage you, but I have to. Life will never get easier until you die and you're in the presence of God in heaven. We live in a broken, fallen, rebellious sinful, ungodly world. What kind of rest can you find in that? You're like, thanks, pastor. I thought I came, you were encouraging. No, but here's the truth. Life will never get easier. There will always be a problem. There will always be something to stress about. But you don't have to live this life with the curse of restlessness. And here's my proof. It's in Abraham. We all know the story of Abraham. Abraham wanted a son. He waited for years and years. It never happened. That was a dream that went away. He probably stopped trying. He stopped praying for it. He was way, the Bible say, he was way advanced in that time of his life. It was over. But God promised him, I'm giving you a son. 
and Isaac was born. Now imagine this, because if you're Abraham, God told him, I'm not only going to give you a son, but through that son Isaac of yours, I'm going to make him a great nation. I'm going to bless you with more. This is not it, Abraham. I have more for your life. So when Isaac was born, when Isaac came into this world, Abraham knew that God fulfilled promises. God was a deliverer. God came through. And now picture this. Abraham is living his best life. He's married. He has his son. He has his little family. He knows that God is going to do great things. You imagine that he's enthusiastic. He's all excited. Man, God is great. See, Abraham is living that season in your life where you know God is working, where you know and it's evident that God is blessing you. But see, what Abraham doesn't know is that he's going to go through a divine shift where God goes silent, where God doesn't make sense, where God seems unfair. Abraham's happiness and, and living the dream is all going to shift right now to chaos because God will call upon him and say, now Abraham, yes, here I am, Lord. What is it? More blessings? He says, no. You, you know that son I gave you? Yes, Lord. I love him. He's awesome. He's great. Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. Thank you for Isaac. Yeah, I, I, yeah Abraham, listen. I want you to get that very son of yours. Yes. And tomorrow, yeah. I want you to kill him. Well, I don't think I heard right, Lord. It's, for a minute, it, it sounded like you told me that you wanted to kill my son. That's right. Sacrifice him. Give him to me in death. What would you do? Think about that. Think about that one thing in your life you think you can't live without. That love. For some, it is your children. Imagine if God tells you, sacrifice your son, your daughter, and give them to me. What if God told you, sacrifice your grandson? I can't imagine... God telling my parents, hey, what, would you sacrifice River? Imagine God saying, would you sacrifice your dog? For some of you, like, oh no, that's the line. Are you seeing this now? We read it, but let's, let's stop pretending like this makes any sense. Because at this moment in Abraham's life, we're going to go through this. Where God makes no sense in your life. Where God seems cruel. Unfair. But worst of all, where it seems like the promises of God have failed. Because God said through this son Isaac, I'm going to make a great nation, but now you're asking me to kill him, Lord. So that contradicts what you're saying. It contradicts your promises. But see, you go through periods in life where you feel like you're living a contradiction to the Word of God. 
where you know the promises of God, but you're not seeing it happen in your life. And it seems like God doesn't care and He's unfair. And Lord, it makes no sense. And for three days, God tells them, I'll show you. And that's the last thing God said for three days. See, God tells you to do something and then there's a period of silence. Can you handle the silence of God? Where God is not showing you anything. Nothing's happening, but everything's getting worse. And you're at a deadline. Day one, he's walking. What's going to happen? Day two, he's still walking. What's God going to do? Why is he doing this? Day three, he knows it's time. You feel the restlessness? Look at verse one with me. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. See, it's revealed to us, but it wasn't revealed to Abraham that he was going through a test. And when the Lord puts you through a test in your life, you better believe He's silent. He's testing the loyalty of Abraham. He's testing the faithfulness of Abraham. He's testing the obedience of Abraham. He's testing the love of Abraham. Don't you think God's going to put us through a test? Don't you think God's going to put forward through a test? You say, well, why does God put us through a test? Because tests reveal who we really are on the inside. And Abraham, it's great that you can worship me and you're happy right now because I've answered your prayers. You're living the dream. Your life is great. I'm doing great things in your life. But Abraham, what I want to know is are you still going to love me and worship me and obey me when I take it away from you? When life is not easy. I want to know if you're still going to serve me when I don't talk to you. When I don't give you what you want, will you trust me then? You see, tests reveal our hearts. It shows us who we really are. Because you might think you love God. Because you're in the church and you're singing songs and you're holding a Bible in your hand and life is okay. But you know what's really inside you when you're going through it. Tests reveal, it brings to light. You ever notice when you go to a store and you pay with a $100 bill, that the person grabs it and, and, and does what? Looks at it and puts it to light? Because as it puts it to light, a little image appears that's on the inside of this bill that does not show on the outside. And see, this $100 bill is actually a counterfeit. Like, Pastor, what are you doing with that? Don't ask. Counterfeit. It's not real. But from a distance, it looks real, doesn't it? From far away here at church, it looks real. And see, 
I believe there's a lot of counterfeit Christians in church today. That you might sit here and say, oh, I love God. God is my first. God is my everything. I serve the Lord. You do all of that. But when God puts you through the test, and He doesn't do things the way you want Him to, and He puts a sickness in your body, or He causes pain in your heart, He's holding you to light. And it's only in those tests that the real you comes out. It's only in those tests where you know whether you trust God or not. You know whether you truly serve God or not. The love of God is not revealed because you've been in church for 30 plus years. The love of God is not revealed because you serve in so many ministries. The love of God is only revealed because when you have gone through the darkest of times, you have remained faithful, obedient, and serving God at all times. And see, and God wanted to know now, I want to see what's inside you, Abraham. It's a test of devotion. Because life will get hard for us. Life will get scary for us. And God will go silent. Or you don't know what to do. I wish, to be honest, I wish when I read this story, I would read that Abraham freaked out. I really do, because I would say, oh man, okay, I'm not the only one. Because I know my church. Let me stop there. I wish I would have read. And God told Abraham, sacrifice his son. And Abraham freaked out. And Abraham was afraid. And Abraham questioned God. And Abraham grew into a great depression. And Abraham got bitter towards God. Oh, and Abraham complained. Typical responses that we would have had. Can I get a witness or am I the only one? Don't sit here like, no, not me. You know. No, yeah, we're not Abraham. Because that's life's typical responses. When we go through a lot and you say, but I didn't read that guy. You know what I read? And Abraham did not become restless. You're thinking, no, Pastor, the Bible doesn't say that. Yes, it does. Let me prove it to you. Verse 3. The next morning, Abraham what? What does that imply? That he went to sleep. You can't get up if you're not sleeping. Can it? Amen? So then I said, wait a minute. This guy slept. Are you getting it? Abraham got up the next morning. 
It doesn't say he stayed up all night. This guy woke up implying that he slept. How do you sleep at a time like that? Where you don't know if God is going to kill your son tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen. And what if God does? He comes through with it. Abraham, not only did he sleep, he got up the next morning, saddled his donkey, and took the two servants with him. He literally got up the very next morning after he slept and obeyed what God told him to do. That's crazy. Because I know some of you are like, no, 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 let me wait. Let me make sure I heard right from God. I think it was the devil. He got up because he rested. He was obedient. And it gets even crazier, church. You ready for this one? Verse 8. Remember his son said, Dad, um, where's the sacrifice? If I were Abraham, I would have been, I'm looking at him. No, I would have, I would have been bad. Abraham didn't, look what he answered. God will provide. Notice what he said. God will, will. With certainty and confidence, he knew God was going to do something. Let's put it all together. Abraham is going through one of the worst seasons of his life as a believer. And yet he goes to sleep, wakes up, well rested. He's obedient. He's confident. He's hopeful. He's trusting God. I said, Lord, I need my church to hear this and learn how. I need to learn this. How did Abraham do it? Because we need to be more like Abraham. When life gets hard and it gets uncertain and scary, you need to learn how to have calmness and rest and hope and confidence and certainty of the God that you serve. And he said, God will provide. Abraham taught of the providence of God. The providence of God is God's ability to meet your need in spite of what your circumstances are. Let me say that one more time. The providence of God is God's ability to meet your need in spite of whatever your circumstances are. You serve a provident God. That says, I don't care about inflation. I don't know inflation. I'm God. I don't care who's president. I'm God. I don't know what you're going through, church. But there is no limits to the providence of God. And when Abraham didn't know what was going to happen, how he was going to get through this, what he was going to tell his wife, Honey, I'll be back. I'm going to go kill our son. Be back by dinner. But even she needed to trust in the providence of God. 
Because some of you need the Lord to provide for you right now. It might be in the area of finances. That's the first thing we think of when we think about providence. But for some of you, you need the Lord to provide you with wisdom. Because you don't know what to do and choices have to be made. You need the Lord to provide you with solutions because you can't figure some stuff out right now. Some of you need the Lord to provide healing because the doctors tell you this and you're going through a lot internally in your body. Some of you, you need the Lord to provide you a spouse because there's nothing out there. Some of you, you just need the Lord to provide you a miracle. Because you just don't know how. Never question the providence of God. Abraham got up, he slept, he was confident because he believed in the providence of God. God's ability to provide for his needs. Your needs will be met according to his riches, the Bible says. I started studying this and I said, Lord, how? How, how do I teach this to our church? How do I teach this to myself? How do I know the providence of God is real? What did Abraham do? Remember that restlessness is a choice, so therefore rest is a choice. And the reason you are restless is because you have chosen not to be. But you can rest today, rest assured that you serve a providential God. But what did Abraham do? Because he was human. And the Bible takes us all the way to the New Testament to tell us what Abraham did. How did this guy just get up the next morning, have his folders, saddle the donkey, got his kids together, let's go worship God. And I'm thinking, why are you not more stressed? Here's why. Number one, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. You guys awake today? All right. I'll be resting now. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is a son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Let me break these three choices Abraham made. Number one, if you want to live a life of rest, trusting in the providence of God. The Bible says in verse 17, first, Abraham received the promises of God. That word received. See, it literally means when you accept something as true, for yourself. Because you might say, yeah, yeah, the Bible's true, the Bible is real, no, no. But is it real to you? He received the promises of God. He accepted that the promise of God was real for his personal life. 
in spite of whatever circumstances he was going through, in spite of whatever opinion he might have heard. You want to overcome restlessness. You have to begin to receive the promises of God through His Word right here as not only truth, but truth to your personal life. I thought I would have gotten an amen there. All right, no, too late, too late. Too late. Forgive them, Lord. The reason so many people live under guilt, so many people live under fear and low self-esteem and stress and anxiety and worry and still go to church is because you have not accepted and received the Word of God. You've heard about it. You've definitely hear it taught in this church. But my question is, have you received it for yourself? You know why you live with so much guilt? Because even though God offers forgiveness of your sins and your past, you have not received it personally for yourself. You still condemn yourself. You know why you live with so much fear? It's because when God says, do not worry, I'll make a way, nothing is impossible, nothing shall be impossible for you, as far as the heavens are from the east, so much have I removed your sins. When God says all of His promises of why you should not fear, you have not personally received it for yourself. You think it applies to everyone else but you. Why do you walk around with such a low view of yourself and value and low self-esteem? It's because you have not truly received the Word of God that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The problem with too many people in the church is that we talk too much. We listen too much. How many sermons do I have to preach until you finally receive that everything in this book applies to you? Yeah. Now, I don't care what you've gone through, what you're going through, what the obstacles are, how impossible it is. Is, is the word and the promise of God relevant to you right now? Then receive it. Abraham, in spite of everything he went through, he received a promise of God. No wonder he slept. Because he knew that the promises of God would not fail. He received it. Something happens when you begin to receive the Word of God. You've got to learn this discipline. That when I say, oh, God loves you, you say, I received that. God can move mountains in your life. I received that. That is true for my life right now. When you begin to receive the Word of God, verse 19 of Hebrews tells us, he began, Abraham reasoned. Everyone say that word, reasoned. That if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back. See, when, when Abraham received the promises of God, that word reason means to think. See, when you begin to receive the Word of God as truth for your life, it begins to change the way you think. Isn't that interesting? No? Just for me? Cool. All right. So when you begin to receive the Word of God, 
You start thinking different. You, you start really thinking. See, you want to... Let me ask you a question. What do your thoughts tell you about your faith? If you have thoughts like, it's over. That's it. I'm never, that's is it. No, stop. It's, we're not going to try. It, we're going we're gonna to give up. When your thoughts keep you up at night, I guarantee it's because those thoughts do not align with the Word of God. I'm preaching good today. Because you, yeah, you received that. Amen. He got it. He receives it. He reasons. It changes the way you think. Notice what he reasoned. Abraham reasoned that Isaac, if Isaac died, he was able. God was able. That is something we need to remember as a church. God is able. He's able. Not disabled. Abled. Ephesians 3.20 says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine according to the power that is work within us. God is able. So Abraham started reasoning after he received the word of God, he started thinking differently. And you know what this man thought? He said, okay, okay, that's just, okay. You got to sit down with yourself sometimes. Sometimes you got to look crazy and sit down in front of a mirror and talk to yourself and say, okay, all right. Worst case scenario. You ever played that game? Worst case scenario. That was what he did. Worst case scenario. My son dies. But I know God. And he's able to even raise him from the dead. But church, you have to get this. This is in Genesis beginning. Abraham said God is able to raise him from the dead. But Abraham has never seen anyone raised from the dead. This is Genesis. This isn't the New Testament. He didn't see Lazarus or all the other sick people Jesus raised. He has never seen someone raised from the dead. So see, Abraham began to pray and he began to believe for God to do what has never been done before, what has never been seen before, because he's able. Are your prayers like that? Or are you like, Lord, thank you for this macaroni I had for lunch today. Amen. What kind of prayers are you praying? Are you praying prayers that make me think you're crazy? But I love it. He prayed for something that has never been seen or done. We need to start thinking like we serve a God who is able that nothing is impossible. We need to start believing that God can do things in this little, itty-bitty, little, cute church that has never been seen before. He started thinking. Start thinking thoughts that are impossible. Start telling and thinking and saying, man, I can go back to school because he's able.
I can see my family saved because He's able. I can see myself healed because He's able. I can see the house being approved for because He's able. He's able. See, so Abraham started receiving the Word. Reasoning then after. But then he did something amazing. In Genesis 22, verse 8 and 14, when his son asked him, Where is the offering? You, you know that little question that comes up into your head that says something like, what are you going to do? You know what I'm talking about? What, what, what's going to happen? What, what if? That's the voice Abraham was hearing now. What's going to happen? See, some of you have that restless question right now. What's going to happen? Verse 8, God will provide. That's all he said. And verse 14, this is where it gets even amazing. Abraham named the place Yahweh, which means the Lord provided because the Lord did provide. What if God is teaching this church this morning? The power of your words. Because when you begin to receive the Word of God and His promises as truth for your life, and you begin to just reason and begin to change the way you think, don't you realize that the way you think will always affect the way you speak? How have you been talking lately? There's a lot of negative talk out there, isn't there? Negative thoughts, negative opinions, speaking. But Abraham spoke life into his problems. Stop telling yourself things that are going to cause you to live in anxiety. He said, God will provide because the Word of God says there is power of life and death in your little tongue. And not only that, i got to get a little deeper here. Not only did he speak life into his circumstances, his son heard it. Your children need to see you speak faith into their life. Don't you talk to your kids and be like, oh, we don't know what we're going to do and this is horrible and all this and this and this is bad and this is wrong. We're going to die. You know, stop talking like that. Your children need to hear faith come out of you. But if all you do is complain... And stress out. And say, I don't want to hear right now. I'm stressed. Mommy's stressed. Stop. You need to speak life. The very thing that he spoke in verse 8 happened in verse 14. The very thing you speak into your life can actually happen in existence. You need to begin to speak the Word of God into your life more. Let me close with this. You guys feel a little bit more calm now? On Friday, 
I was thinking about, I, had a, I want to give you a testimony. But I never give testimonies. But can I share a testimony with you? I was restless on Friday. A little bit. Because this is what happened on Friday to me. Friday, I sat down and me and, me and Jerrica, we are faithful tithers. It's the first thing we do. We don't think, oh, okay, let's see the bills, what we got to pay. No. The first thing we do is it's gone. They're sending. But sometimes sending that tithe through your phone, come on, it's scary, right? You get a witness? So I sat there on Friday and I said, okay. And I told God, all right, I'm going to send my tithe. Once I send this, Lord, it's going to be tight. And I sent it. And Jerrica got sick that night. And Jerrica said, I said, what do you want for dinner? I'm, I'm not going to cook. Let's just buy something. But she's not feeling well. She doesn't want my cooking when she's feeling sick. And she says, I want Chinese food. And I told her, no. You know, how, how much is Chinese food right now? Woo! And I said, I love you, but we just can't do that right now. So we, sent, we settled for something else, just a little cheaper or whatever, right? It was fine. It was fine. And she went to bed upstairs, and I was in the kitchen, and I was doing the dishes and just helping out a little because she was sick. Otherwise, I wouldn't do that. And I'm in the kitchen, and I start thinking about my sermon. And I'm talking to God. And this verse came to my mind. Mark 11, 24, because I'm thinking about the whole idea of receiving and thinking and speaking the Word of God. And it's, I remember this verse, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask from in prayer, believe that you have what? Received it. So I was just thinking about that verse. It was late at night. It was like almost 11 o'clock at night. And I started just thinking to myself and laughing. And I said, <laughs> How funny would it be, Lord, if I believed that nothing was impossible and I would pray for Chinese food and it, and it would just show up. And I started laughing. I said, in Jesus' name, I, I, I received Chinese food. <laughs> okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm just, I was laughing. And when I went to pick out the dog outside, in my front porch was Chinese food in a perfect bag, still warm, late at night. This is it. This is testimony of what God did in my life. Chinese food at 11 o'clock at night was delivered. We checked the neighbors. It wasn't theirs. I looked for a receipt. No receipt. Nothing. And there it was. Chinese because I was laughing at God don't you laugh at God but in faith I said Lord give my wife Chinese 
<laughs> and he said, okay. And there it was. How good is God? I received that. Receive it. I said, man, I should have prayed for lobster, God. I mean, I should have prayed for something crazy. But China, what is, there's no odds with God. The restaurant closed like at 9 p.m. Why is this food being delivered at 11 o'clock at night? It's because at 11 o'clock at night, I prayed for you. Because God cares about even the little things in your life. God cares about every little detail of your life. But I believe what God was teaching me there was I did this so that you would know that when you truly receive my promises, nothing is impossible. Chinese food. And not only that, it was the best Chinese food I've ever had. What about you, though? Are you a little too restless? Are you going through a test right now that you're seeing what's, what's going to happen? What, right now, what if, what if you take God at His word and receive it and ask for it? And if it's His will, it will I want you to go home today and rest. Rest. Let's all stand up to pray. If God can do that with Chinese food, imagine the little details God wants to give in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about the need you have in your life. If there's a need in your life, would you put that hand up right now as a testimony and say, Pastor, there's a need. Not a want. Don't say, oh, I want Burger King. No, or I want pizza. No, I, I need. I need this, Lord. I did not need Chinese food. I would have been fine that night, but the Lord did that. Show me, I'm a God who will meet your needs and desires. I believe this message applies to everyone today, so I want to pray for everyone here today. Would you tell the Lord your needs right now? Would you say, Lord, I receive your promises? I will trust you. And whatever test you give me, Lord, I pray for the strength to endure it. But your word never fails. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Forgive us for laughing, for doubting, for questioning your power. You care for every little detail of our lives. You care for your children. And Father, in this church today, 
there are people in need who have not received the promise because life is just so difficult right now. And they've been turned down and shut down and gone through so much, Lord, that it's hard to believe in your promises. But I pray, Lord, that you will give them the courage and the encouragement and the strength, Lord, to receive as truth the promises you have. Let us walk out of this church with a new sense that you are God and nothing is impossible. And Father, in Jesus' name, we receive that you are a providential God. You provide for the needs of everything we need right now. And nothing is impossible. Father, we just ask in Jesus' name, and if you're here this morning, and you're declaring today, I will receive the word of God. Would you put that hand up? Amen. God bless you all across the room. There's something else I want to pray for. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And when you receive now Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are accepting the truth that you are a sinner and that only Jesus can save only he's the way to God the Father. And when you receive Jesus as Lord, what you're saying is, Lord, I received that truth, and today I surrender my life. And if this is you, I want you to put your hand up as well, because I want to lead you in the prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you as well. So pray this with me if this is you this morning. Heavenly Father, In Jesus' name, I receive your forgiveness. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I receive as truth that I am a sinner. And today I surrender my life to Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. And thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. God bless you guys. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you guys for joining us. I hope you guys were blessed by today's message of restlessness, how to overcome it. I pray that you go home and get some rest. Don't let restlessness be a curse you choose anymore. Don't take on so much that you wear yourself out. And thank you for joining us today.